0: Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort, 21 plus, age varies by jurisdiction, void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See bball B ball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources.
1: Hi, this is Jim. And this is Max. Check out our podcast, The Step Over, Liberty Ballers Podcast Network, for all of your Sixers' needs.
2: Player analysis, game breakdowns, who would look coolest in a headband, and more. Subscribe to Liberty Ballers Podcast
1: Feed on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts, and check out The Step Over, a podcast about Sixers basketball.
2: Mostly Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you. To stop what you're doing and listen.
1: Hello, Bleeding Green Nation, and welcome back to BGN Radio. This is episode number 28. I'm John Stolnes from BleedingGreenNation.com. You can follow me on Twitter, at John Stolness. We've got your Eagles-Texans preview, and hey, the Eagles not dead yet. In fact, very much alive here with their playoff hopes Not only just flickering, I mean, we might be fanning an actual flame here, gang. And uh, joining me to uh, go over last week's game just for a few minutes and talk about the Eagles' Pro Bowl selections and uh, preview the Eagles-Texans matchup here on Sunday is the man, the myth, the legend, the brains behind the operation at BleedingGreenNation.com. May he reign forever, BLG. Brandon Lee got. How you doing, buddy?
2: Well, John, just like we said last week, the Eagles are going (laughs) to beat the Rams. We just predicted it. We had it. And they're they're back alive in the playoff hunt. So, I mean, you just have to listen to this podcast and this one only because no other, no one else out there like us was saying that the Eagles would beat the Rams. So definitely don't check to see if that's true because it is. I'm telling you, you don't even need to check. But yeah, here we are.
1: Last week's podcast actually self-destructed one hour after (laughs) listening to it. So, uh, for everybody who had it on their phone at one time, I, we apologize that so you can't go back and listen to it. It was on self-destruct mode. Um, but by the way, you can follow Brandon on Twitter as well. He's at Brandon Galton. but chances are you probably are doing that already. Um, but yeah, man, what a crazy, what a crazy year this has been, you know, and I was thinking about it how many different times we have called certain Eagles games must win games, and how many different times we buried this team? And here they are, still alive, still still with a chance to make the postseason with two weeks left to go.
2: You know, it's really crazy that the Eagles find themselves here. I mean, looking back at what I was saying a couple of weeks ago, again, you can't really check this because it's not there. I totally said that they were going to make the wild card, and there was a great chance it would happen. Um, no. Of course, the reality <laughs> is they only had like a 0.5% chance, according to uh, Football Outsiders, and 538 playoff odds You know, weren't any better. Uh, but here the Eagles find themselves in a weird spot where they they lost to the Cowboys. So that obviously improved their wild card chances because it knocked them out of the division. Although we can say that they are still alive for that. And boy, oh boy, would that be amazing if they somehow uh, find a way to win out and the Cowboys find a way to lose out. Probably not yeah, likely. Camu
1: would be proven right, but, wouldn't oh he? Oh, my God,
2: he'd be right. I mean, he would, like, <laughs> how much of a genius would he look like at that point? Again, it's, it's a long shot at this point. But, hey, I mean, the Cowboys lose to the Bucks this week. It's on the table. So kind of file that away for now. Kind of just, again, focus on the wild card here. It just feels different, right, John? Doesn't it just feel like the season is back on? Like, throw the numbers out the window for a second. Doesn't it feel like the Eagles can go on a run all of a sudden? Like, how crazy is that? Because this team really should have been dead in the water. Uh, if things went as expected in last week 's game, but they didn 't it was it was crazy you know all of a sudden now we 're even talking about Super Bowl again like think about how crazy yeah. that is like this it's
1: crazy like
2: that is insane the fact that like and and let 's be clear, the Eagles have a lot of work to do before that would even happen. They would have to first of all they still have to make the playoffs, which isn 't even a guarantee because you know yeah. they need. They need the Vikings to lose at least one game here, or the Seahawks can lose two games, but I think that's pretty dumb to count on because they have two home games against the Chiefs and then the Cardinals, so I don't think it's happening. But yeah, man, it's, it's crazy at where this team is at. Beating the Rams in LA was certainly something we did not expect at all, and I, and I know they've been struggling recently, so maybe I guess we should have given them more of a chance, but still, I mean, it's just the Rams are undefeated at home. The Rams did not have to play hundred snaps in Dallas like the Eagles did last right, week. There were right. so many things and the Rams literally had a completely healthy injury report. And they only have one starter in injured reserve. So my point here is like they had so many factors going against them. The Eagles did in that game. And yet they somehow won. Like a pretty legit win too, you know, not like by the skin of their teeth. I know it came down one possession game, but like, you know, Foles doesn't throw that interception in the red zone earlier. They go up by what? Like three scores and maybe they never look back at that point. So Really impressive where this team is at right now. I think you have to give a lot of credit to Doug Mm -hmm. for, you know, like, because how many times did this season, you know, how many times could it have gone even worse? You know, for as as much as it hasn't Mm -hmm. been awesome, it could have been so much worse. Like they could have totally collapsed after that Saints game. Remember the Giants game, you know, where they, they got down. They could have totally given up and they haven't. They fought for Doug. I think that says a lot about him uh, in a year where you know, you're know you not feeling as awesome about him as you were last year. I, I still think you have to acknowledge that overall, you know, he has this team playing hard and they're right in the mix of this thing. And I think he deserves credit. I think there's a lot of people who deserve credit after last week's win when the whole team mm-hmm. stepped up around Nick Foles. Uh, like we can talk about folds as much as we want, but yeah. when you're getting career days, or not necessarily career days, but like you're getting season best performances out of yeah, like Wendell right. Smallwood, right, and Heloti Nada, and Avante Maddox, who's talented, but he's a rookie making his first start outside corner, coming off injury. Like when you're getting those performances out of guys uh, across the board, I mean that's impressive, and I don't know if we can keep that up because you know you're not gonna always just have your A game every single week, but. It's what this team needs to do at this point in the season.
1: Last week was the first time the 2017 Eagles made an appearance yes. this year. Great way to put uh, that, it. That
2: is, Great way to put it. Yeah.
1: And I think, I don't know whether I'm thinking that because Nick Foles was at quarterback, but it just seemed as though the rest of the team stepped up their game and and played well in an important game on the road. We still have only seen this Eagles team win two games in a row once this year. So if they were to pull that off on Sunday, and we'll get to the Texans in just a moment, that'll only be the second time this year that's happened. And so for all of us thinking about an extended run, we're thinking that because we recognized what we saw on Sunday. We, we recognize that as the team from last year, even though the personnel is different and, and, and even though it still is a less talented team than last year, really because of the injuries that this team has suffered. And those injuries are still plentiful, as we'll also get to here in just a minute. I think that there's the reason everybody's optimistic is because that was a huge upset victory. That was the biggest victory in Eagles franchise history since 1985. It was the second biggest upset victory in the NFL this year. So it was a monumental win for this team because we had all written that game off as a loss. We had all just, and we maybe we just need to stop doing that. You know, we we <laughs> we, we, we we maybe we, pro- we just
2: need to stop predicting things about <laughs> football. Like that's, I want to jump in on that point real quick, John. Like, what do we know about football? In the Eagles, like nothing like it, like how could you? But how could you? That's what I'm trying. It's not. Yeah. I don't think it's just like I'm not trying to say we're idiots here. I mean, maybe we are. But I just feel like how could you reasonably have expected that? Like, no you one just, could have. No one can't. predicted it. Yeah.
1: No, I agree. It's in the NFL is week to week. We, we see that teams, really good teams can go on a two or a three week stretch where for inexplicable reasons, they don't play well. The offensive line doesn't block as well for two or three weeks, which causes the quarterback, which causes Jared Goff to play some of his worst football of the season going from a guy who looked like a pro bowl player to someone who shouldn't have been drafted number one overall and really probably shouldn't have been drafted in the first round based on that performance. You know what I mean? Like his Mm -hmm. performance looked like something very different than what we've seen from him. And I think Jared Goff's a very good quarterback, but you know, he, that was the knock on him coming out of college is he didn't handle pressure very well. And the Rams have done a very good job protecting him. And, but what you saw was an Eagles defensive line that, Played better. You mentioned some of the guys that had season best performances. You couldn't have predicted Haloti having that kind of impact in the middle. You couldn't have predicted Avante Maddox playing the kind of game that he played on Sunday where he really was the best defensive player on the field, not named Fletcher Cox. So this a lot of different things happened. And last week, the Eagles got turnovers and the, you know, frankly, Nick Foles and the offense didn't take full advantage of the turnovers. They took some advantage of some of them, but, when when you're able to get a cheap seven points here and there, when you're able to get a cheap 10 points, that's a lot for an offense that has struggled to get to 24 points this year. So that's the reason Eagles fans are feeling optimistic. And you know what part of it is? And, and let's just get into it. Part of it is Nick Foles magic. And I don't know what it is because Nick Foles had an OK game on Sunday. He was very good for about two and a half, three quarters, but he got away with some plays. In those, in those first three quarters. See, there are a couple of instances where he threw some balls that, frankly speaking, could have been picked off, but he also made a bunch of really good throws. The type of throws we haven't seen Carson Wentz make this year to Alshon Jeffrey, some of the trust throws that Nick Foles has made. And... I think we saw the a, a little bit more playmaking going on, which is crazy to say because Carson Wentz is a far better playmaking quarterback than Nick Foles. But Nick Foles got the ball out faster than than I think we've seen Carson do at at different times this year. Certainly faster than Foles was getting rid of it earlier in the season. And we saw the offense move. We saw the running game. We like you said, Wendell Smallwood run harder than we've seen from him so far this year. And you know when you're talking about Nick Foles, you're talking about you're talking about an offense that. You just kind of feel like at different points, whether the stats back it up or not, whether, you know, the eye test is is incorrect or not, feels like it's got a little bit of more magic to it with, with Foles. And we're thinking about last year when we say that, you know, we, we, we were watching Nick Foles play. We're watching them beat a Rams team that should have waxed the Eagles all over the field. And so we think, is Nick Foles magic? And so BLG, I ask you, is Nick Foles magic?
2: I think he does some pretty magical things sometimes. I mean, uh, I just think about that throw to Alshon Jeffrey down the field where he's wide open and Nelson Aguilar is wide open, and they're both facing towards the ball as if it's a punt. And almost like if you looked at that screenshot, like, and you didn't know like any of the players, I think you could like you might think that's a punt. And how often does that happen? And the answer is never. I, I've yeah. never seen that before. And uh, that's why, like, when, when you analyze Nick Foles, like, it's it's tough sometimes because I look at that and I'm like, that's not a normal thing. Like, that's yeah. not a normal thing that happens. How am I supposed to be like, you know oh, he's he, he's <laughs> doing that. Now, I will give him credit for, um, you know, chucking it deep throwing giving these guys a chance to make a play yeah and getting get hit and getting hit as he threw it pretty yeah, hard and he too stood there, there yeah. took a shot i give him credit but it's yeah. just like that's not a sustainable week-to-week thing right you, i mean you, it, you it, know no, what else had happened blg it happened,
1: just BLG? Just it happened in the nfc championship game last yeah, year Yeah, with well with jeffrey although <laughs>
2: yeah. that one i think that one that was a little bit better of a ball because yes, i think yes. you know it hit all sean and you know he was in stride and it yeah. went into the end of, like this was like just chuck it up and then you know like like madden like check it up and then like have calvin johnson or alshon jeffrey in this case you know like go up and make the play yeah um so that's kind of the crazy thing it's you know obviously you know people know that i am nick fall's biggest fan and i've never doubted him never doubted no (laughs) that's right you know i have my fair share of skepticism you could say probably putting it a little mildly um but the thing is like so there's some things that obviously annoy me with with what gets said about Nick Foles. It's not about Nick Foles so much himself. as just the perception of him, I think, isn't always accurate. Uh, you know, people just say, like, he just wins. Like, I, I just, you know, I hate that. Like, what does that mean? And a lot of the times, it's not even, like, all him. You know, like, you look back at his record. Starting with the Eagles, and it's great, but you can't just put that all on him. Like, I think people act like that. And you know, to me, that kind of discounts how in 2014, the Eagles had uh, like more special teams touchdowns than any team ever in a certain stretch. Like, and they were winning with Nick Foles, yeah, but he wasn't playing particularly well. But people didn't really care about that because they're winning. And they said, well, it was just Foles winning. And it's like, well, he's not playing on special teams. So I kind of saw a little bit of that in this game. I mean, he played pretty well. Um, The numbers, I think he played better than his stats indicate for sure. Mm -hmm. Uh, But even still, again, like you got these great performances out of the team around him and they really rallied around him. And I mean, maybe he deserves a little bit of credit for that because like they're playing for him. But I mean, still, you know, like he's not the one out there making a, a great interception on Jared Goff. And he's not the one out there who. Uh, is benefiting or is causing, you know, that muffed punt, you know, like he got some breaks. My point is he got some breaks. When did Carson get those breaks is my question. Like when did Carson really get put in the spot where, you know, the the rushing game provided three touchdowns and the defense provided three turnovers and, you know, there was that muffed punt. Like when did that happen for Carson? Um, And at the same time, you know, if you're comparing these two guys, like, okay, you have to consider Nick Foles doesn't have a back fracture and isn't coming off an ACL and LCL. So that certainly helps him. Um, I'm not trying to disparage Nick Foles here. I think, uh, it's great, you know, when he obviously plays well. We all want to see the Eagles win, but I just think, you know, you have to kind of be careful about what you make, you know, out of the long term of this when you start to think, like, oh man, does the team just play better with Nick Foles? Because I think there are some narratives that get thrown out there that aren't necessarily true, like, oh, Nick Foles just looks for Alshon more. I mean, that's not true. You look at the numbers in terms of targets. Uh, like they're not all that different from when Foles plays to Wentz plays. You look at the target distribution as a whole, a lot of people keep saying that Nick Foles just spreads the, the ball around more evenly and doesn't get as locked in as Zach Ertz. I mean, Ertz had the second most targets of any player against the Rams. And when you look again at the target distribution from this week's Rams game to last week's Cowboys game, I mean, they're basically the same with Carson and Foles starting. So like, mm. I think some of that's a little bit narrative-based and not so much fact-based. I get where it's coming from. I get the sentiment. I don't think it's totally crazy, but I just like the facts don't necessarily always match up with that. Well, here's the thing that I that that bugs
1: me about this conversation is is you can't you can't praise both guys. You know, one guy's got to be great, and you got to bag on the other guy, and. With Carson Wentz, he obviously has not been right this year. We, we haven't... People forget about 2017 Carson Wentz. They just forget about him. They mm-hmm. forget how often Carson Wentz found Alshon Jeffrey last year. They they forget about the playmaking ability he showed last year. They they forget about how depressed everyone was when Wentz went out before Foles came in to rescue the season. I wrote about it this week, and I said it last week on the podcast. Foles is the best closer in the NFL. He's probably the best backup quarterback in the NFL. But he's good for short stretches. You know what he reminds me of is Don Strock. For people who don't remember Don Strock from the from the early '80s, he was a, um, a Miami backup quarterback who uh, filled in for some of those early Dolphins teams, and uh, I think he was Marino's backup for a little while, and would would play great. He would always win when he would when he would come into games. But he's not the guy you built your team around. You built your team around Dan Marino. You built your team around some of the other high, you know, the the the, the high talent quarterbacks and, and Carson Wentz is one of those guys. We, we we haven't I don't want to make excuses for Carson Wentz either, because some of it is coming back from his knee injury this year and not having a training camp and getting thrown into the beginning of the season. Some of it is I it looks now like he's been battling a back injury for most of the season. And if that has been affecting him throwing the ball downfield, then that would that would possibly be a reason why we haven't seen the big plays from him this year and maybe one of the reasons we haven't seen him making as many plays with his legs this year and and all that has to be factored in when you're comparing these two guys when you've got both these guys fully healthy Carson Wentz is the better quarterback and I just don't think we've seen a fully healthy Carson Wentz so I guess with this you know so when we're talking about these two guys you can love Nick Foles and be happy that he's here and root for him to win these games but at the end of the day, I, I just don't see how Carson, how it's uh, Foles can be this team's franchise quarterback, and you've got people out there who <laughs> would rather go with Foles, and that that's that's what doesn't make any sense to me. BLG, I
2: think what I wanted to get to was that I think people feed into recency bias a lot with Foles. And, you know, you think of Super Bowl MVP, but you don't think of guy who played terribly against the Raiders in Week 16 last year and then didn't look good against the Cowboys early on and then really didn't really play all that well for most of the game, or at least, you know, at least half of it against the Falcons if Torrey Smith you know I always think you know if he doesn't make that catch on that ball that Keanu Neal should have picked off I mean yeah. did the Eagles even win that game in, in you know the, uh, the, the, the division that around there the knee, yeah so like I'm not trying again I'm not trying to take away from Foles. I'm just saying like we can't act like he comes in and he plays great literally every time he's in because I think some of that gets put that way and that's not true the reality is he's more up and down he has some awesome games he has some terrible games. That's where at least my lack of confidence comes in on a week-to-week basis because I think a lot of people just look at the good games and be like, you know, you just think, oh, he's going to be great. I mean, maybe, but he could also be terrible this week. Who knows? Uh, he was not great early on in the season, which, which I think suddenly we've forgotten right. about all of a sudden. Like, that kind of just gets washed away because uh, they beat the Falcons, but he didn't play particularly well in that game. Then they beat the Buccaneers. And he didn't play too great in that game either. Well, they lost. Know.
1: Yeah, they lost to the Buccaneers. I know that's yeah. what you meant to say. But he put up big numbers in that game. But I don't think you can say he played well in that game.
2: Right. He had, the, he had, the the touchdown throw was actually great. and the, the, yes. To Nelson Aguilar, that was a great yeah. throw. But for most of the game, yeah, it just wasn't there. And now, you know, I want to give Nick some credit uh, against the Rams. You know, airing it out does help a lot, and that's something Carson wasn't doing. And you know, we can speculate about why. Feels like we're already going back to that stupid air yards debate we had in 2016. Although it gets a little bit different here because it's not the receivers so much the issue. Probably just the. Well, I mean, they don't have a really true deep threat, which hurts. Yeah. But you know, just not you know Carson obviously just for whatever reason not going deep probably enough for at least and and I'm sure the back or the knee or whatever has to do something with that. But um, so I want to give Nick credit for that. I also want to give him credit for making some really impressive throws like that throw to Alshon. On the third down, that trust throw over the shoulder catch by the sideline, that was really impressive. So was the throw to Zach Ertz that got broken up in the end zone. That should have been a touchdown. I mean, the defense just made a great play. John Johnson for the Rams was having an amazing game. So uh, definitely some great things in there that you should feel good about. But I also think, you know, okay, what if that third down pass to Zach Ertz that was high and behind him, you know, doesn't get dropped by the Rams late in the game in the fourth quarter there uh or you know what if the rams don't muff that punt and all of a sudden they take the lead are we having the same conversation completely about Foles? so
1: yeah
2: uh that's where i'm at with that uh, i think you're, you know and to to go forward with this quarterback situation because that's I, what yeah it, what we need
1: do we need to move it forward here yeah, yeah exactly there's been
2: talk about like you know what do they do like oh they have to make an in, there's an interesting decision to make and to me there isn't like it's as simple as if carson went is healthy he plays. It is yes. that simple to me. Yes. It is not any more complicated than that. It doesn't matter how how well Nick Foles is playing. It is Carson Wentz's team. He is the franchise quarterback. If he is healthy, he's going to play. Now, with that said, I don't really think he's going to be healthy, right? I mean, if Doug Peterson's coming out and saying it's going to be a three-month recovery, which he kind of walked back a little bit this week. He kind of mm-hmm. said, he, I don't know if he kind of regretted putting that out there or what, but it's clear that the Eagles don't think Wentz has done for the season, because if they did, they would have put him on injured reserve. They at least have some kind of hope that he's going to play again. And maybe that some of that is like, um, like he can play if they really needed him. Like if, if they get into a situation kind of like where Washington is right now, you know, like, mm-hmm. you know, the starter gets hurt and then the backup gets hurt and all of a sudden you have to sign Mark Sanchez. Like, I think the Eagles would rather play an injured Carson Wentz than having to sign like. Jay Cutler you know and put him in like yeah I think that's that's the preferable option even though he's Wentz wouldn't be fully healthy like come on he's still better than some guy off the street uh, in that case so uh, I think that's kind of where it's at I think that's part of why they're keeping him active but I also think it's you know there's a, a chance that they believe that he could return and he should absolutely play I don't I don't care how well Nick Foles is playing that does he's just not he shouldn't be the guy who starts if Carson Wentz is healthy that's just yeah. how I feel
1: I agree with you 100% because I, I, you're hearing a lot of people say that, though. The, if Nick, if you're winning with Nick Foles, you're crazy to take him out. But I, I think there's a bigger picture here, and I'm sorry that there's a bigger picture, but sometimes it's not just a simple matter of who gives me the best chance to win this game right now. If you want Carson Wentz to be your franchise quarterback, and and he and Carson Wentz comes up to you, and you know if, if the medical doctors are saying, listen, this guy's got a fracture, he should not play for the next three months, and he comes up to you and says, I wanna play. I can I can play through the pain. I feel or I feel good. You have to listen to the medical doctors. But again, like you said, they if, if if this truly was a three-month thing, and they have, and, and the Eagles, by the way, have handled this injury situation so poorly. <laughs> it's unbelievable how poorly they've handled this yes. by not having the doctor actually speak to the media by trying to have Doug Peterson try and explain all this stuff. I agree with you. I think he's trying to walk back and regrets that three-month comment. I, I think they're playing this week to week to see if Carson feels good. But if Carson, who I also think you, the it it factors in the fact that He missed the playoffs last year. He missed that Super Bowl run. This was supposed to be his turn now. And if he says he's healthy and he feels like he can play and he can give you close to 100%, you have to put him in there. Otherwise, what message are you sending to your quarterback? You're saying we don't believe you give us a better chance to win this game than Nick Foles does. How How is he your franchise quarterback at this point moving forward if he's telling you he's healthy? And if you've deemed that he's healthy enough to be week to week that you haven't put him on injured reserve, then don't you have to take his word for it? If this is really just kind of a pain management thing and, and how well you can play with it, if he's showing you he can make all the throws in practice. And that I think all that is part of what we talk about when we say, quote unquote, he's healthy. Healthy can be a lot of different things. And if what we've seen from Carson Wentz this year, his unevenness is getting off to slow starts in games. If that's all part of the fact that he's been injured, then he probably shouldn't play again this year. But if he's if he's feeling well enough and if he's playing anything like his previous level, which was an MVP level, I agree with you. He's got to be in there, not only because he's the best quarterback on the team, but because as the franchise quarterback and the guy who missed the entire run last year, it would send a horrific message to him that you don't believe that he's the future quarterback for this team
2: I think it's a very fair point John uh I also think who's to say that he might not be feeling better you know like he 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 just had one week off this will be his second week maybe he gets the third week off we'll see uh like who's to say that you know he maybe okay he has that time off and all of a sudden he's feeling significantly better not completely healed necessarily, (laughs) but you know, a lot better. Like a lot, he he just feels a lot better. Maybe he looks a lot better. Like I don't like, you can't just rule that out. I'm not saying, I don't know how likely it is. You know, I'm not, of course we're not doctors here, but I'm just saying like that to me seems like a possibility that he could all of a sudden be a little bit better at least and, and healthier. So yeah, I think that's something to consider as well. I just don't think, you know, it's a it's a foregone conclusion that he'll he won't play again for sure this year. I and mean, I think it's very possible, but it, it should all come down to health to me. It should not come down to, um, you know. And I don't the part of I don't like about that completely is like I don't think the Eagles should completely, you know, just to me it's not about like. OK, you know, Nick, you're playing really great, but we need to get Carson here. Like, I don't look at it like that. I just look mm-hmm. at it as, you know, if Carson is healthy, he is the better option. Like, I don't see it as if Foles playing well uh, and like you're taking him out and you're not choosing the best option. To me, you should choose the, the best option. But just to me, the best option is if Carson is healthy enough to play and it's as simple as that.
1: Well, let's look ahead to the injury report for this week. Um, and obviously, Wentz is on the injury report. He has not practiced all week, and he is out for this week. Uh, but some other guys did not practice this week as well. Defen- uh, on Thursday, as we're recording this on Thursday night, uh, defensive tackle Fletcher Cox did not practice. Uh, Alshon Jeffrey did not practice, but he's battling an illness. Uh, defensive mm-hmm. end Michael, Benef- uh, Michael Bennett, who has missed the last few weeks, really he's just some veteran maintenance going on right now. They want him to just continue to be the animal that he has been on Sundays. Uh, offensive lineman Isaac Ciamalo, uh cornerback Sidney Jones, and Jake Elliott, who apparently also seems to be dealing with some illness. I guess that's the same illness that Alshon Jeffrey has. Um, it's kind of funny, I think uh, backup, uh, uh, our linebacker Kamu Grugier-Hill is the backup uh, <laughs> place kicker, is that right? He was practicing in, in practice this, uh, on Thursday?
2: It could be. I mean, we had him, you know, he, had the, he did a great job with the kickoffs last year. I was watching right. that recently, too. I mean, like the form on those and just he got him like into the end zone. I mean, that was amazing. But yeah. uh, as far as some of these injuries go here, uh, it looks like Somalo and Jones are probably going to be out. Uh, Doug Peterson kind of indicated that they're not likely to play this week. Uh, Fletcher Cox, I'm pretty sure he's going to be playing in the biggest game of the season to this point. Do or die game here. I'm pretty sure he's going to be going uh, we'll see. I don't know for sure, but I just I, I get the feeling he's going to play. Uh, Alshon obviously will be fine, assuming I like. When is the last time a, a player missed a game due to like illness? You know that wasn't oh, like yeah. you know like some kind of long term condition. You know, just like the common cold or, or you know uh, a bellyache or something doesn't happen. So uh, Michael Bennett again, he should play too. He's been on the he hasn't practiced now for pretty couple of weeks. Yeah, he, it's like three he gets weeks. Some, <laughs> yeah, he gets some work in on the Friday practice. Uh, usually it's like limited or he gets some work or I think he was actually full on last week's Friday practice, which is a lighter practice, but still like, so he gets his work in on the final day. Uh Elliot, I guess, you know, Jake Elliot should probably be fine. Uh I think he might have a stomach thing because Kamu was like joking around about how they need to get him a bunch of Tums. So yeah, that's right. That's like, what I was, that's, that's what I was issue. thinking. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, that's what it sounds like. And um you know, at some point once the season is over, we're going to have to have a, a conversation about Jake Elliott. We haven't talked about him much this year, but he's had a very interesting season. Some big kicks made and some big kicks missed. It'll be kind yeah. of interesting to see what his future is with this team. Uh, but on the positive side of things, uh, Jordan Hicks returned to practice in a limited full. role on third. He- oh, was it full? Yeah, I thought it was limited. Was oh, OK, great. Yeah. Uh, so that's, that's that's potentially big news, BLG. He's missed the last four games with a calf injury that he suffered against the Saints. So getting him back in the middle would be, would be enormous for this defense.
2: It'd be great. I mean, you don't have to rely on Nathan Gary as much now. And Camu uh, can po- probably play a little bit fewer snaps, which is good. Because that kind of trickles down. Like, when you have Camu and Gary suddenly playing a bunch of defensive snaps, they also are doing even more on special teams. So kind of like spread that out a little bit and look hicks hasn't had an amazing season by any means but i still think yeah. he's the better option of those players and there's there's playmaking ability in there i believe somewhere in that guy like we've seen it in the past he's made some plays uh so i don't know maybe you get him back in there he makes a play that'd be great
1: yeah the linebackers as a whole have been largely invisible this year but we've talked about that as well uh at different points during the during the season uh and actually a surprise defensive tackle timmy jernigan returned to practice for the first time in a few weeks i was starting to get skeptical whether or not we'd see him again this year we got one game out of him and then the back started acting up again but good to see he's back in practice i know Nada had a very good game against the Rams, but you can't really bank on that. And getting Jernigan back into the rotation would be a would also be a big help this week.
2: Yeah, he was limited again, so we'll see if he plays. Uh, Doug sound kind of optimistic; he'll be able to go. So again, we'll see. Uh, with the back stuff, you kind of have to just. You know, you never know. Uh, He was, you know, expected to play against Washington. And all of a sudden, I think before the game, like they were expecting to have him. And all of a sudden, right before the game, he was having back spasms. So, you know, hopefully he he can just get through all that and be okay. Because, I mean, even putting Nada aside, I mean, just getting Jernigan in there means that Trayvon Hester and Bruce Hector get to play, you know, fewer snaps, which is... Which you should want, so uh, <laughs> yeah. to get him back. I mean, that'd be great to like to get Hicks and Jernigan back for like this big game. You get like two defensive starters back. I mean, that'd be great.
1: Absolutely. So we'll see if that happens. And of course, the Texans looks like they're relatively healthy as well. But the biggest guy that they could be missing on Sunday is running back Lamar Miller. Uh, Alfred Blue uh, would replace him uh, at the running back spot. So. Um, Again, uh, the Texans uh, looking relatively healthy, healthier than the Eagles uh, coming into this game. Um, all right, let's break this puppy down here, BLG, and the Texans come in at 10-4. and 4. Right now, they're the number two seed in the AFC, so they still have something to play for. They want to keep that first round bye. They come into the game ranked 13th in total team DVOA, 21st in offensive DVOA, 7th in defensive. Um, as uh, we look at the playoff picture real quick, we all know the Eagles need to win out and I uh, hope the Vikings lose one of their last two games. They play the Vikings and the bears or the Cowboys lose twice. I think they have the Redskins and the giants. Is that right? In their last couple games. I think the count Cal- to the Cowboys. Uh, play. Bucks, Redskins. Buccaneers this week. Oh, sorry. That's home. right. That, yeah. We just talked about that. Yeah. Buccaneers and giants. That's right. Um, so it's not impossible. This is this is not an impossible road ahead of the Eagles here, but uh, this is a good team. We have talked about the Texans numerous times this year, BLG, as we've yes. done different podcasts, and you and I have both kind of poo-pooed them at different points this season. Getting off to an 0-3 start, I think, soured us on them, and when they went on that long nine-game winning streak... Neither of us really were believers, but the one thing you should believe in with this Texans team is that defensive front seven. They have easily one of the best defensive front sevens in football. Uh, They have one of the top rushing defenses in the league. I think they're number two overall in rushing defense. And we all have, you know, we both agree that this team being more balanced between the run and the pass is generally speaking a good thing. We know that the team's record is undefeated. I think when they rush for 25, rush 25 times or more in a game. And again, a lot of that is game script and when you're leading at the end of a game, you run more and all that. that's that's obviously true. But we've heard Doug Peterson mention that mixing in the run and the pass and, and being more balanced is better for the team. But I'm really struggling to figure out a way that this team is going to be able to run the ball. Against this Texans front seven, do you see the Eagles getting away from the running game this week, or do you think they'll they'll continue to try and pound it up the middle and and figure out a way?
2: Yeah. So the Texans actually rank second overall in run defense DVOA, and then they rank first in terms of opponent yards per carry. So okay, they're well, pretty good go. stopping the run. <laughs> Uh, it's going to be tough this week, uh, you know. Josh Adams really didn't have a great game, efficiency wise, against the Rams. He had that touchdown, but he was under, I think, two yards per carry there, so he wasn't really that great. Wendell Smollett, randomly after, you know, just, like he's it's infuriating. I, I tweeted early in the game, <laughs> like I was like. Because he got the first carry of the game. And I was like, oh, the Eagles are giving Smallwood carries for some reason. And of course, he has the kind of game he does. And people were like, well, this didn't age well. And I'm like, come on, guys. It's Wendell
1: like, Smallwood, come on. Had one
2: touch. He got phased <laughs> out of the rotation. He had one touch in the last three weeks. And then, like, I'm an idiot for saying, like, they're giving the ball to him, apparently. But, you know, I think the offensive line deserves a lot of credit there. And I think that's kind of what gives you some confidence the Eagles might be able to run the ball, at least somewhat effectively against this group. It's not so much about the opponent it's just that this offensive line is playing at a very high level right now they are Mm. opening holes for these backs and to the credit the backs are making some plays like we saw smallwood kind of bounce through some tackles which is not typically characteristic of him so that was good to see uh maybe you can get some more of that darren sproles last week what did he have um or i'm thinking it's the cowboys game or no i think it was last week he had like three for 30 yeah so like he was pretty efficient when they got him the ball. You're not obviously going to use him as a bell cow by any means, but I'd like to see him get some touches in there. That helps out. Um overall on the Sixers team, just kind of want to revisit the idea here that they're they're solid. They're I think they're a good team, but I don't think they're an elite team. I don't think they're as good, quite as good as their record indicates. They are thirteenth in DVOA, as you just mentioned. That kind of, you know, is a tell there for a team that ranks second overall in a conference, but is only thirteenth in DVOA. And I think they're only about like eighth in point differential. Like that yeah. kind of shows you they're not quite like this top five elite team as much as they are, just a good team. And looking back at that win streak, I mean, boy, <laughs> I just think like that's they got a lot of favorable outcomes in there in the sense of like a lot of these are one possession games. Two of them were in overtime. Two more separate ones were on like a play where the opponent missed a last second field goal to win the game. Like they had some breaks in here and that's what you need to get winning streaks in the NFL. But you look at the games where they had more than one possession final score results, like they, you know, it wasn't a one possession game. And the quarterbacks in those games were Blake Bortles, Brock Osweiler, Marcus Mariota, you know, a Titans team that's been up and down this year. And then a rookie Baker Mayfield on the road in Texas. So, not the best group there uh, that they've certainly cleaned up house against. and uh, so I think this Texans team is gettable. You look at how uh, since the Bill O'Brien era began in 2014, they are 9 and 21 as Road underdogs hmm. and the Eagles are 15 and four straight up as home favorites since the Doug Peterson era began 2016. So I just look at some of this year. And I think the takeaway is that this matchup is probably a little bit closer than it looks on paper than it would your typical ten and four and seven and seven team. That's how I'm kind of feeling about this one. That's mm-hmm. not to say I think the Texans are cakewalk by any means, but as you've highlighted and as the Kissed and Solak show have so excellently done, this Texans defense is legit. It's really good. And you know, if you're not going to be able to run against them, then that suddenly puts all the pressure on Nick Foles to deliver. And he's going to have to carry the team. And I don't really think that that is the Nick Foles you necessarily rely on week to week. Uh, I don't think you look at like how many Nick Foles games do you look at where you say, wow, the rest of the team really just sucked. And he kind of put them on their back and he took them to victory. Like, I don't think that's that's not my perception of things. Um, So but that's what it might have to be in a sense offensively, at least this week. So they have their work cut out for them. It'll be tough.
1: Yeah, you know, you're, to your point. Uh, the Texans have the fifth best uh, point differential in the AFC this year, uh, behind the Chiefs, the Chargers, the Ravens, and the Colts at plus seventy one. They're ahead of the Steelers and the Patriots, um, but not too far ahead, just by a couple of points here and there. So, um, yeah, this is a this is a Texans team that really does rely on their defense, and you know, I think for for if you're not going to run the ball, I think this could be a big game then for Darren Sproles. I think, I think this is a game where you utilize him more as a receiver out of the backfield, I mean, a little running back curls where you can, you know, get him a few yards past the line of scrimmage and see if he can get you five, six, seven yards, or, you know, just, uh, it's lots of screen passes, lots of bubble screens, lots of running back screens. We saw the Eagles the last couple of weeks are executing those screen passes a whole lot better. Now. Um, I think this is the game that Darren Sproles could pop up and, and have himself his first big game of the season, if they're not going to be able to just straight up run the ball. He's obviously their best their best receiving running back out of the backfield. I, you never know with Deuce and his running back rotation, but <laughs> I, I like to think that uh, this would be a game where you can use some of Sproles' unique abilities in, in the in the in the passing game to to get you those uh, short plays to to act as your running game. Um, and the other thing is uh, to continue to use Alshon Jeffrey, BLG. Yes. Um. You know, I it's just you see what a weapon he is, and he's a guy that we know is never going to create a lot of separation. He's never going to be a guy that's running wide open. And it seems that one of the reasons Carson Wentz this year wasn't throwing to him much is Carson seemed to just be looking for open receivers rather than no, you know, remembering that Alshon Jeffrey creates his own separation. And we saw that last week. We saw him appearing to be covered a couple of times, but he has such great body control that he can bring balls in and he can use his size that other receivers couldn't. So I think the Eagles, if they're gonna move the ball, if they're gonna if they're gonna if they're gonna do well offensively, you've gotta get another big game from Alshon Jeffrey, don't you?
2: You have to. And I it's I don't know if this is just anecdotal, but it just feels like when Alshon is making things happen like the rest of the team is doing well. Yeah, right. Like yeah. it just feels like, like it doesn't. And now that seems pretty like obvious, like a very John Madden of me to say that. But I'm just saying like it doesn't feel like he's getting empty yards or in garbage time. You know what I mean? It feels like when he's getting those yards and those touchdowns, they're meaningful. Like they are like they're big plays. And I just think back to earlier this year when Carson was having a great connection. Remember that? Like out of the jump. Ashon returns yeah, against the, the Titans. Yeah, first came back. Yeah, big yeah. game. Yeah. Then next week, um, well, not so much against Minnesota. It was a little bit quieter, but the, against the um, uh, the Panthers, even you know he like so earlier on when he had come back in the season, like those two were having a pretty good connection. So I don't know what happened with that exactly, and some of those con- you know throws were contested catches too, um, and it, it was great to see early on, and it and it felt like okay, the offense is getting something going here. Uh, so I think that's certainly really important. Um, for, especially you know, for Foles to take some shots when he can get them and give Alshon a chance to make a play because he can. <laughs> we, we've can. seen it; like he can do it. Like give him a chance. So, uh, I would like to see more of that for for sure. And that was that was a very encouraging sign from last week. Something that you hope can you know kind of keep like. Going forward, something that can translate. I don't, you know, obviously, you know, he, he had the third biggest game of his career in terms of receiving yards. So I don't know if he's going to do just as good. And it was actually his best Eagles performance, but it was huge. And he can, we know he can be that guy. And for him to get involved again, it was just nice to see. And hopefully they can keep that going.
1: Let's look at the other side of the ball, and let's look at the Texans' offense matching up against the Eagles' defense. And Obviously, you're going to start with Deshaun Watson when you're talking about the Texans' offense. Looking at his numbers, he's thrown for just under 3,600 yards this year, uh, has a 67.7% completion rate, 24 touchdowns, 9 interceptions. Having a solid season, he's also a pretty dangerous runner, especially on third downs. He's one of those guys that has a knack for getting a first down when the play breaks down in the backfield and he's scrambling around and uh, making some things happen back there. He's a playmaker and that's, he's got some guys to throw the ball to as well. You know, he's, he's got one of the best wide receivers in football and Deandre Hopkins. Who's got over 1300 yards receiving. They traded for Demarius Thomas uh, earlier this year from the Broncos uh, to be their number two receiver. So this is a team that has some weapons and we said they're going to be most likely without Lamar Miller. So at least, you know, Alfred Blue is not as good a runner as Miller, so maybe you don't have to worry about the run game quite as much. But with Deshaun Watson back there and DeAndre Hopkins on the outside, it's it's going to be a tough matchup for an Eagles secondary that is playing better here over the last couple of weeks. BLG,
2: yeah, with Watson, um, you look at the, you know his ability to run. That's obviously a concern. And but then again, I look back at to when the Eagles just played. Dak a couple weeks ago, and they did a good job of bottling him up. I think Dak only had two yards in that game, so maybe they've kind of found something there to kind of limit that mobility. Um, I think getting pressure on him is obviously going to be huge. I mean, that goes without saying. and The Texans are horrible at Protecting. They're really
1: bad <laughs> they so he's been
2: sacked more than anyone right 52 times yep uh lead league so this defensive line and that's that's a, like you couldn't have almost asked for a better matchup in that regard like that's the eagles arguably biggest strength against the texans biggest weakness that's where the game has to be won right there like this defensive line that has come up big and was big in that rams game to beat the rams you know like jared goff wasn't getting neutralized just because the coverage was so great all the time. Like he was getting neutralized because mm-hmm. they were getting pressure and he doesn't handle it well. And now, you know, Deshaun Watson has the ability to escape from some of that pressure. But sometimes, like these te- Texas offensive line is so bad sometimes that I was just talking to uh, Matt Leon about this from KYW earlier today. And he was talking about how, you know, he has uh, Deshaun Watson on his fantasy team. So he's watched him quite a bit this year. <laughs> and there are just some times where, Like the Texans offensive line snaps the ball and he's just getting sacked. Like immediately, like they're just immediately (laughs) giving it. Like he doesn't stand a chance. It's not even like he's just holding on to the ball and he's taking the sack. It's just like immediately toast. Uh, Their offensive tackles are Julian Davenport and Kendall Lamb. So not exactly household names there. The Eagles should be able to generate pressure. You look at Fletcher Cox, uh, obviously rushing from the interior, but you look at him and Michael Bennett, they rank tied or no, sorry, they rank first. Combined in the NFL in quarterback hits this year per Shiel Kapadia. so that's pretty good. You know, to have those guys be going up against this quarterback this week, they should be able to get to Watson. They should be able to, hopefully, you know, kind of make him th- throw some bad decisions here, like they did with Goff. I mean, that's a big reason why they're able to beat the Rams. Those turnovers, so kind of not just sack him, but kind of force him into those mistakes or or get a strip sack. Like they're going to need that in this game. Um and when you look at the receiving options here that you mentioned, I mean Nook, as they call him, DeAndre Hopkins mm-hmm. is very, very good. Almost, I feel like probably underrated, maybe very underrated, as well very as underrated. The, the league's best receivers. Like mm-hmm. I almost forget about him. And that's probably because you know he's an AFC team. Like, let's be real. Like, how often are we all watching the Texans? Yeah. They're regularly? never in the
1: playoffs, you know? Yeah. It, yeah.
2: So, but I mean he's just he's very impressive. And whoever is covering him, it's gonna be a tough matchup. I would love to see I'd almost love to see Avante on him, just because like <laughs> he was so good against the Rams. Just go out there, Avante. Go cover him. See how you do against him. And it's going to be tough, you know, Avante, uh, giving up some size there. But uh, I look at the Demarius Thomas here, and it almost feels like there's probably almost um, like, that's probably one of Russell Douglas' best matchups in theory, right? A guy who is bigger and doesn't really have that speed. I mean, that's the yeah. kind of guy you want Russell Douglas matched up against. And you know, you, you pointed here. John, that the secondary has been playing better. And I think the pressure obviously has a lot to do with that. If if they're not getting that pressure, I mean, forget about it. You're just you're not going to stand a chance. But, you know, with Razul kind of stepping up here, I mean, we always knew he had talent. I just think the issue with him is he's going to get burned at times. It's just he's not the fastest guy. He's going to be aggressive, but that's fine. I mean, if he's going to make some plays, you can live with that. Yeah. Uh, And Maddox, I mean, boy, I just, how can you not like, love this dude. This yeah. guy comes in as a rookie, fourth-round pick. I remember watching him back in OTA's minicamp and just thinking, this guy looks lost. Like, he was just leaving guys wide open in coverage. And it wasn't that he couldn't hang physically because he's, he's a very good athlete. But it's just he didn't seem to have the mental aspect down. And that's completely fair. I wasn't trying to write him off at that point. I was just saying, like, oh, this guy is probably going to need some time. And all of a sudden, he comes in in training camp. And didn't really blow me away right away, but he caught on at the end of the camp. He was competing there with Sidney Jones all of a sudden instead of Devontae Bosby, because originally it was Bosby and Jones rotating at nickel corner, but then Maddox entered late. So he really stepped up. And all of a sudden in week four, when the Eagles need a safety, they put a guy who had never played safety in his life at any level back on the back end of the defense, and he makes a pick and he adds some stability to that part of the field. And that was crazy just to come him to come watch him do that after, you know, spending training camp, trying to learn nickel, which is an entirely new position to him because he hadn't really played that in college. He was more of an outside corner for the most part. And then all of a sudden, you know, he has this injury against the Saints in week 11. He is limited in practice leading up to the, the Rams game. And he comes back in and kind of surprisingly, because I don't think we all expected that he gets the start on the outside. And he plays a great game. <laughs> and yeah. and now people are like, man, is this the Eagles' best corner on the roster? And maybe he is. Like, it's it's crazy uh, for him to just, that story of him coming in here and really giving this team something. I just, I think we've seen it time and time again with him. Like, he makes plays. He's a baller. Like, he, he goes out there. He has a knack for, like, you look at the Jaguars game. You know, he, he forces that fumble. And it was a crucial play in that game. Like, that turned around that game because the Eagles weren't playing super great to that point. Uh, you look at the Titans game. He has that pick. You look at last week, he makes some huge plays. He has the interception on golf early in the game. Then he tackles Todd Gurley. He hit. Well, first of all, he tackled Todd Gurley multiple times in that game by himself. Most importantly, late in the game to keep him in bounds. Yeah. And big then play. they go to him. They throw towards his way uh, to Josh Reynolds on the final play of the game. And he helps. You know, it's he's in there. He's in there. He's def- uh, defending it tightly and making sure the receiver doesn't catch it so man he has been real impressive um it's it's crazy to see and even crave leblanc like a guy a guy they claim off waivers he comes in and you know i don't think he's a superstar but he's he's stabilized the slot at least a little bit and probably you know playing better than an injured injured sydney jones is in there so it's kind of crazy how that's all kind of come together that the Eagles have kind of just like strung this thing together like haphazardly pretty much because they've had to because of injuries but it's working right now, so I actually have some level of confidence in those guys. That's pretty crazy.
1: Yeah, credit to Jim Schwartz for for making this work here too. But I I agree with you, and I think you know we can't discount the fact that once you've played a few weeks and you've gotten some reps in, you, you don't you're not thinking as much out there. It allows you to react a little bit more, and maybe that's what it, the deal is for guys like Rasul and, but especially Avante Maddox and and LeBlanc. You know, they they just. They're not they're not thinking as much because this is, you know, they've played half a season, if not two thirds of a season already. They they've been getting regular reps and now when you're when you're a young player, it takes some time to develop, you know? It takes some it takes some time to feel comfortable out on the field, to know just instinctively where you're supposed to be without thinking about what am I doing in this in this scheme here where where you know if if somebody comes out of the backfield somebody comes in motion who you know what's my responsibility where you know it, it, it takes some time and that's why I'm feeling a little bit more confident about the secondary sometimes time is what these guys need in order to improve as players you know and that's it's really true in any sport when you're a young player the more you get to play generally speaking you improve and so Hopefully, that's what we're seeing from from this Eagles secondary right now is uh, a team that uh, a group of young players that are starting to find themselves and and, and figure it out.
2: And I, ski I, mask.
1: And the ski mask. we can't forget about the ski. How important that is. Absolutely. I think <laughs> Absolutely. it is a little
2: important just because of the swagger. Like I think just <laughs> yeah. I think that's. I mean, obviously, I'm not saying like that's the whole reason. I'm just saying like I think that adds a little bit of an edge to this group. It's like good they, to get they,
1: that back. Yeah,
2: like they needed like they needed something to kind of be like. Even if it's a little bit irrational, like, hey, let's just, or or gimmicky even. just, But, like, they needed a little something. And I think that, you know, I always say, like, the 2017 team was playing at their best when they were loose and they were having fun and they had some swagger to them. And with the mask thing, that gives them a little bit of swagger. So I like it.
1: Yeah, I, let me say one other thing about the Texans before we move on. The, when I dis, when I'm thinking about their front seven, and I'm thinking about how dominant their defense is, especially against the run, and then I think about the quarterback they have—an athletic quarterback, a running quarterback who can also make plays with his arm—a guy who you know that has a good passing offense but uh, struggles running the ball a little bit—is does am I not describing the late 1980s, Buddy Ryan Eagles? I mean, that's what this. Texans team feels to me like. Exactly you know,
2: what you want to emulate in today's NFL. <laughs> hey, I, that, but that's what I, model I mean. our team? <laughs> yeah, that's,
1: but that's, I think, why we don't necessarily fully embrace this Texans team is because mm-hmm. they have some of the same flaws, especially, you know, those early, but those Buddy Ryan teams in like 88, 89, 90, they had horrific offensive lines and Randall Cunningham used to get sacked. They used to lead the league in sacks like every single year and it's what would eventually trip them up when they would get into big games and and especially in the playoffs. And that's, that's I think, is going to be the, like you mentioned, that's where the game's going to be won on Sunday. And if the Texans are going to do anything this season, that's the area they're going to have to figure out is how to protect their quarterback because – that's what it that's what it all comes down to. But as we've been talking about this team, so so much of the 2018 Texans reminds me of those Buddy Ryan teams from the 80s. They have the same exact strengths, a ridiculously good defense, a, a star quarterback, some offensive talent at the skill positions, but a brutal offensive line. And, and we've seen how an offensive line can absolutely sink you if it's one of the worst in the league like the Texans have right now. Um we could do uh you want to talk about pro bowl selections real quick before we get to our picks Uh, yeah sure yeah uh zach ertz brandon brooks fletcher cox all made the pro bowl um all deserving obviously very cool to see brooks get back there especially um he's not a guy that again you talk about a whole lot i think he's one of the most underrated maybe the most underrated player on this team um but obviously some guys who could have gone that are not going jason kelsey Lane Johnson, Michael Bennett, Malcolm Jenkins, even the punter Cameron Johnston—you could have made an argument that he should go. Uh, Corey Graham—I'm uh, just kidding about the last one. Um, of those of those guys who didn't make it, BLG, who do you think was the most deserving that should be going?
2: Uh, to me, it's Kelsey. I just—it's the second year in a row where he's been snubbed, right? Like he—he yeah. yeah. he was first team All-Pro I think last year, and he didn't make the Pro Bowl somehow, and then he didn't make it this year, and that's just bizarre because. You know, I think it's, it's weird because there were a couple of years there where Kelsey kind of wasn't playing so well, more so like 2015, 2016. Yeah. And he actually did make the Pro Bowls those years and it didn't feel right completely because like he, he was kind of struggling and it kind of felt like he had made it on reputation. But now I think that's kind of reversed course too much. And all of a sudden, <laughs> uh, like he's not getting enough credit in there. I mean, he was, he was like, how, how many guys can do the things he can do? he can so offer mobile, the, like,
1: just what he can do athletically it's crazy
2: and the consistency too like he's been really good for these yeah. past two years and they put alec Mack in there over him and i'm like like really like the center on the five and nine or whatever they are falcons team like that's the guy who's getting in yeah. over jason kelsey like okay the uh, same so,
1: baseball where you get one representative from every team you know <laughs> right yeah it's just
2: i don't so i don't i think that's the one i mean i think. Malcolm Jenkins is very close in there just because I think he's so underappreciated uh, for what all he can do. Mm-hmm. And I don't think Harrison Smith particularly deserves to be in there over him. But uh, I think those two are the guys. I mean, Lane Johnson, it's just tough with the whole right tackle, left tackle thing. If, if Lane Johnson was playing at left tackle, he'd probably be in the pro bowl, which is yeah. kind of just unfortunate. The nature of the position. Uh, Bennett, Hasn't been quite there. I mean, he's been a beast, but he's just, you know, probably hasn't been quite there. It's hard for edge rushers to get in if you don't have, like, just the the raw, you know, dominating numbers. Although, yeah. he has the reputation. I think he was there last year. So, yeah. a little bit surprising. But maybe if he had started the whole season, like he kind of has been recently, he would have. I mean, I think yeah. that's fair to kind of to wonder there. So, uh, yeah, those are the guys um, that I would say.
1: Yeah, yeah. Michael Bennett just got hot late, but uh, I I think you're right. I think Kelsey's the the main guy. Um, and uh, Malcolm Jenkins, uh, Lane Johnson probably would be deserving. And you know, frankly, Cameron Johnson. I, I I did include the punter. Cameron Johnson's had a very good season for the Eagles punting the ball. Yeah. I mean, that's that's it's great. It's nice that you don't have to worry about that. So um all right let's make our nfl picks three games we're going to look at here blg before we make our eagles pick uh washington plays on saturday they are in tennessee to take on the titans uh they are 10 point underdogs washington is the titans a 10 point favorite at home against
2: the redskins who do you like in this one blg i would not touch this line or the 10 foot pole because (laughs) boy uh do not know what to expect from the titans ever and with washington Hey, I have to pat myself on the back here, John. I said I'm probably going to look stupid for saying this, but I kind of like Josh Johnson a little bit. You, you know, are, not... you
1: got that right, yeah.
2: And they beat the Jaguars. Well, it was yeah. a crazy line. It was like what they were they were seven point five underdogs. I mean, come on, like Jacksonville's yeah. that good? Like they are right. they, right. that much better? No. Um, so that was a pretty easy call to me. And uh, now, with that said, I just I don't think we're going to see that repeat here. Uh, the Titans have been playing better recently. They. Would you believe this, that they actually have the second longest winning streak in the NFL right now? Uh, The Chargers have the longest streak of four, and then the Titans are three alone at at second and number uh, two there with three wins in a row. So pretty crazy. Uh, they just obviously coming off a shutout win over the Giants. Impressive. I think this one could be a little dicey, so I'm not crazy about that 10. I do think the Titans will win, especially at home. Again, I would stay away, but since we're making the pick, I will take the Titans here very nervously.
1: Yeah, I'll take, I'll take the Redskins uh, with the points. I think they'll keep it close. I don't think the Titans are going to run away with this one. Uh, like you mentioned, they have a three-game winning streak. I think they're due for a clunker uh, at home. But I think they'll end up beating washington but i think it'll be a closer
2: game so, so then it. you think uh so then that'll set up an interesting week 17 game potentially the eagles win because then washington will actually be playing you know they'll, if washington wins they'll be in the wild card potentially well, I'm
1: ta- no i'm taking tennessee to win oh, now, i just exactly. think washington will stay within the number right I, I think yeah i i'm i'll take the points but and, i'm not gonna take washington to win
2: and kind of need that too like in the sense of i i think sneaky kind of underneeded. Win or underrated uh, thing the Eagles need here is the Titans winning. Yeah, I don't want
1: to play a Redskins team yeah, that has any motivation exactly. at all. That's what I'm yep. trying to say. Yep. yep, Absolutely, 100% agree. Um, let's look at a couple games now on Sunday. Tampa Bay at Dallas. Again, a long shot that Dallas is going to lose two in a row, but um, this is this is one of the games that I called last week. I, I That just felt like a game where Dallas was going to go into Indianapolis and just fall into a great big bear trap, and they did came out flat, couldn't get anything going on offense. And we know that Dallas is not a very good football team, even though they are atop the division and probably are still going to win the NFC East, but they are a seven point home favorite against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who we have seen has a good passing offense. They lack a lot of other things, but Deshaun Jackson's going to be in the lineup for Tampa Bay. Um, A seven point swing here for Dallas is a lot. I like Tampa Bay, As an underdog here, I think I'll take the points and I'll I'll go with Tampa Bay. And I think there's a real good chance the Buccaneers steal this game in Dallas, BLJ.
2: Oh boy. What a what a result. Can you imagine? (laughs) I mean, if if again, if the Buccaneers lose this or win this game, Cowboys lose, and the Eagles beat the Texans, that sets up the possibility the Eagles could win the NFC East in week seventeen. It would take the Cowboys losing at MetLife Stadium against the Giants, which, you know. Not a given, but not impossible. And division game. You never know, right? Division game. Uh, the Giants could be looking to pay Spoiler. And, you know, obviously the Eagles would have to beat Washington there, which is possible. So, oh, my gosh. That would just be – I know we talked about it earlier, <laughs> but everything, uh-huh. and everything. But oh, my gosh. Uh, I kind of have to put it out of my mind a little bit for now because, like, I just – I can't count my chickens before they hatch here. Uh, I'm going to take the Cowboys because, just like I did last week, I jinxed them by mm. taking them. And it worked, so I, I have to go back to that well. I just want to point out that the Cowboys are frauds. Like, for everyone who thought they were suddenly <laughs> legit because, you know, they beat the Eagles and they were on this, what, like, five-game winning streak here. I mean, they still rank, I think, like, 18th in DVOA. Like, they're not a truly good team. Um, and the fans even know that because you look at their fan pulse rating, you know, SB Nation's gauge of fan confidence here that we have, and I put up a post about this on Bleeding Your Nation, and they actually have the third most... They the they, in terms of confidence level, they rank third. The Eagles are first. So, um, <laughs> they saw the biggest <laughs> boost after the Rams game. They're at 67%. The Giants are 40% somehow. I think the bar for progress in New York has been lowered very much so. Um but the, the Cowboys are 38% and they're like they're they have a pretty good shot at winning the East. Like all they need is one more win or one more Eagles loss. Like that's all they need. And despite that, Cowboys fans only have 30% confidence in this team. And Cowboys fans could be wrong. Doesn't necessarily mean anything or everything, yeah. but I think there there's some doubt there. They're like, man, we might not be good. <laughs> we might not be able to do this. So yeah, I guess like, what you ain't wrong. I and I like like at the very least, it will have taken. Uh, hopefully, uh, ho- well, hopefully they don't win it at all, obviously. But I'm saying I-, I like the fact that it was pushed to Week 16 at the earliest that they could win the division, and not earlier on. So. Um, I would take them though to win just because I just think the Bucks stink. You know, I'm not—I've never been a Jameis guy. Uh, getting Deshaun back gives me a little bit more optimism that they can win. And the Bucks defense has not been as terrible as it was earlier this year. Recently, there's—they've been a little bit better. Uh, but the Cowboys have been good at home. You look at Dax's home road splits, and he's clearly just better at home. So, if this game was in Tampa Bay, I might pick the Bucks here, but uh and maybe they still cover but i don't know I, I just think i'm gonna take the cowboys and hope the jinx goes again this week
0: yeah
1: i i said i'll take tampa bay and i do I've, i take them with the points but i I'm, I'm now leaning towards dallas actually winning the game i just think it'll be a closer game than seven points uh last one minnesota oh. is a six point road favorite at detroit blg we need the vikings to lose one of these last two games this feels like this feels like a good one that they, you know, anytime you got to go on the road, it's you're, you're and against against a divisional opponent, you know, you'd like to think that that could be a tough game, but are, are the Lions any good? Can the Lions no. pull this off? <laughs> no. I, they're they're yeah, I didn't think so. This and even though it's Kirk Cousins, Kirk Cousins does play well against bad teams. Yes,
2: that's it even, right there. So. but he also chokes. And I remember um, a couple of years ago when. And the Giants were better at the time. I guess they finished that season 11-5 and five in uh, 2016. But they had nothing to play for. There was a game where the Giants had nothing to play for at all, and Washington needed that game, and he came up so small in that game. <laughs> and so that's that's the part what kind of gives me hope the Lions might be able to stage an upset here. But kind of I just think the Lions have kind of packed it in here. They're eliminated from the playoffs. Um, they shut down on Johnson. I just... I would love to see a big game from the Garrett Blunt. Maybe help the Eagles out here, LG. But oh man, Mm -hmm. I just I I think the the you know we saw the Vikings kind of get on back on track a little bit last week, and I just can't count on them to lose this game. It'd be great. Love to be wrong, but I just don't think we're going to see it this week, unfortunately.
1: Yeah, I'm with you. I'll take Minnesota to win and uh, as the six point favorite as well. All right, BLG, it's that time. Uh, We're going to look at the. uh, Eagles and the Houston Texans. I'll lead off here. BLG. Um, Eagles are two point home favorites. So really, when you look at this, um, oddsmakers seem to favor the the Texans here because normally the home team gets three points. So if this was played mm-hmm. at a neutral field, Texans would probably be a one point favorite. As I'm, you know, this defense scares me. The Houston defense scares me, and I don't, I, I don't know what we're going to get from Nick Foles, you know, I, I, just, no one does ever. <laughs> no one does. And that's a little unsettling. I don't think they're going to be able to use the run game in this, in, in this matchup. And I think this Eagles offense has been at its best this year when they're running the football. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm, I'm just don't see how this team scores in the mid twenties or gets into the upper twenties. I mean, maybe they get to the mid twenties, but I don't think we're talking about a team here that's going to score 25, 26, 27 points or anything like that. I think it's going to be in the 20 to 24 range for this team, if that. So if you make the Eagles one dimensional, it's, it's hard. But that, on the other hand, I, I can see, I think the Eagles' defense uh, can have their way with the offensive line. I think they're going to get to Deshaun Watson and, and sack him a few times. I think Watson will make some plays here and there. And I, I think this will be a pretty close game. I'm gonna pick the Texans to win this Aww. game, though BLG. I just don't feel it in my heart. I don't feel that this team this team has been through so much this year at seven and seven, and it would be it would be an unbelievable finish and quite a catapult, a springboard into two thousand and nineteen if they somehow make the playoffs after everything they've been through this year. But I feel like the Foles magic is going to end a little bit here on Sunday. Um, the Eagles just have, have come up small in these kinds of situations. They came up small in the first Dallas home game when they seemed to have a lot of things going their way. They came up small in the second Dallas game on the road. They, they've come up small in, against Carolina in, in, a, in a similar situation earlier in the year. I just They haven't shown me yet that they can win this game this season. And so that's why I'm going with the Texans. I'll say, I'll say Texans win twenty-two to twenty.
2: John, what is different about those games compared to this game? What is the difference? It's Nick Foles, baby. He's coming <laughs> in here. He's, he's... <laughs> oh man. Um,
1: I almost believed you for a second there,
2: BLG. <laughs> so this line, according to ESPN's odds page, actually opened with the. Eagles as three point five home underdogs. Now I think that line kind of came out before Sunday Night Football, because it shifted quickly. And as you said, Eagles favored by two points in some places. Mm-hmm. I'm seeing the action has actually shifted back now. And in some cases it is a minus one for the Eagles. So almost essentially a pick'em yeah. here. Um so that's a little interesting to see. Uh man, I just feel like I just feel like things are a little bit different now. Maybe I'm a sucker for believing that, but I just feel like after that Rams game, I just don't feel like this season is over yet. I feel like this team has fight in them. Again, I go back to you know giving Doug credit for that and the players too, of course, for stepping up, but just kind of Doug rallying this team and just the guys being loose. I mean, you saw Chris Long build that shrine to Nick Foles in his locker. Like <laughs> yeah. They're having fun again. Yeah, I mean, that's I- good. And like you said, you saw that 2017 team in this team last week, and I just that kind of gives me hope. Uh, it kind of makes me feel like they can do this. And I know they've lost, I think, what three games here at home this year, so home field advantage hasn't been the same for them. But I've also been beating the drum the whole season. We, we've I feel like we've brought this up many times. Just the Texans aren't this super legit team. They're they're a good team, but they're not this elite team. So at the very least, I have to feel like the Eagles have a chance here. And I just feel like somehow, some way, um, we're going to see Nick Foles do enough. We're going to see the defense make some plays. I think you know there's going to be a strip sack or two in this game with how often they're they should be able to get to Deshaun Watson or maybe again they force him into a bad throw or two. Uh, I just think I think they're going to win. I, I think they have you know they're they're fighting for the season. They have much more to play for. I know the the Texans are fighting for the South and seeding and all that. But I just I don't think. They need this win as much as the Eagles do. I think the Eagles need this win more, and I think that's going to show on Sunday. I think it's going to be a close one, um, but I will take the Eagles to win by a score of 24 to 22.
1: That's why I wanted to go first, BLG, because I knew I had a feeling you were going to you were going to pick the Eagles uh, to, to win this thing and and keep their playoff hope, playoff hopes alive. And I wanted the I wanted the people I wanted the listeners to to leave the podcast with a with a happy feeling and a song in their heart, BLG. So um, any final thoughts before we wrap things up here, my friend?
2: Just been a crazy season, man. It's crazy that we're here. Um, you know, you hope to see the Eagles can win this game and find a way to, you know, then beat Washington and kind of make this the playoffs here as the sixth seed, if not the four seed, as we see. That's uh, right. But I mean, the the road ahead of them still being very long at that point if they do get the sixth seed, because they're going to have to play again three straight road games just to get to the Super Bowl. So mm-hmm. a lot of work to do, but. Regardless of how the season ends at this point, it feels like we've avoided it being an unmitigated disaster, right? Like, I it's think not a
1: 2005. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think that's
2: safe to say. Like, even if the Eagles lose these next two games, I don't think you know it's as disastrous as it really could have been. And I still think uh, there should be hope here for the 2019 season just because – you're hopefully going to get Carson Wentz back healthy, you know, where he has an off season to actually work with his teammates. And, you know, you're going to be able to make some changes in the off season in terms of, you know, draft and, you know, re-signing some guys and and having some of the young guys develop like Avante Maddox and Dallas Goddard. Uh, so there's hope here. I'm not saying like, you know, it's, it's a sure thing, surefire thing they're going to be back to the Super Bowl in 2019. But I just think to this point, uh, I think they 've done enough to kind of get through the two thousand and eighteen season, and I think that'll be especially true if they win this game because if they win this game, they can't get any worse than eight and eight and I think you know coming off a super Bowl season here, your first one ever, and you know you 've had all these injuries to deal with, and you know the shortened off season and all of that and if you go eight and eight or even if you go nine and seven and you actually make the playoffs here like again that's I think you've avoided the failure and the embarrassment of being you know like this. Uh, this kind of embarrassing team not being able to quote unquote defend their Super Bowl so great the year after. So, kind of feeling optimistic about where this season ends off here. I still think you know that there are, there are obviously concerns and long term issues and questions with this team. I'm not saying everything is rosy and great, but I just think that we've reached a place where you can kind of be just proud of this team for the most part how they're finishing the season. So hopefully, I don't look like, like an idiot. and the eagles get blown out on sunday hopefully that doesn't happen um i don't think it will i think there is still hope alive for a reason i think we haven't seen the last of this eagles team just yet so we'll see if that's the case on sunday leave reviews ratings all that good stuff on itunes thanks
1: and folks that'll do it for oh yes that's right this um, will be the last time we talk to you guys before christmas so merry christmas to you buddy and that'll do it for episode number 28 of BGN Radio. Thanks everybody for tuning in. We'll talk to you all next time right here on BGN Radio. That doesn't make sense.
0: Hello, I'm Spencer Hall from SB Nation. And I want to tell you about my new show, It Seems Smart. It Seems Smart is a show about people doing things that, for some reason or another, seem smart at the time